This is the Out of Water Podcast. Out of Water is a production of Rio Vista Community Church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. We hope you'll subscribe and give us a good rating to help others find Out of Water. Welcome to another edition of the Out of Water Podcast. We're very glad you could join us this week. I'm Mark Lautenschlager, your Master of Ceremonies bus driver, gardener, and probably the uh, the janitorial engineer. I'm going to do all those jobs today. I don't get the gardener. <laughs> See? That's what it's all about. We're like seeds in an, in that have been planted. In an introduction, that's what it's all about. No, my job here is to trim the bushes, maintain the lawn, spread some seed around, water everything. Mm. It's got to, you know, because that's just, it's. I'm the gardener. It's beautiful. That's, that's what I, it's beautiful. It's, it is beautiful. It's pastoral. It's peaceful. That's the imagery you're supposed to be getting okay. here. So joining me in studio is our pastor of spiritual formation, Reverend so what Sam Katzenschmidt. What does that make me? I'm just trying to go somewhere with this metaphor. <laughs> don't, don't. You're the fertilizer. See, here's the fun part. <laughs> here's the fun part is that people are listening to this. I will have cut the metaphor out. And they'll be wondering what you're talking about. Oh, that's, that's sneaky. <laughs> Sam's not making any sense again. Sam's not making any sense again. Look at that. So, so Reverend Sam Smith is here. Also, we have both of our co-directors of student ministries, Drew Brown and Will Bushman. And they're both doing chair dancing. What in the world is this? Hey-o. This is crazy. All right. So our topic this week on the podcast is the prosperity gospel. Does God want you to prosper? And to what extent? And how are we doing this? Prosperity gospel is one of those topics, I think, uh, that people would have identified with more maybe a few years ago. It's still going on today, but it really hit its zenith, I would say, with the televangelists of the late 90s and the early 2000s. Would you agree? Yeah, but I, I think there's still some hangover from that. Absolutely. kind of deeply seated in people. Absolutely. But So now when we talk about the prosperity gospel, let's define what it is that we're saying here, Sam. What is the prosperity gospel? What's the hallmark of that? The prosperity gospel is when somebody presents to you a gospel that says, if your faith in Jesus is strong enough and you believe um, strongly enough in his provision for you that he will give you money and health and prosperity and favor with other people and the job you want, uh, it's been called name it, claim it. Mm -hmm. Like you name what you want and you claim it and you believe that God will do it. Right. And it will happen. The word of faith. The word of faith. Correct. Correct. And so, uh, yeah, that I would say that kind of summarizes what the prosperity gospel teaches. Yeah. Now, I when I think of prosperity gospel, the thing that comes to mind with me is always this sort of seed faith thing. You the hundredfold blessing. You give us a dollar, God will give you back a thousand. Right. You know that. That's the televangelist. That's the televangelist. So your seed of faith. Okay. So is that like a separate? In your mind, is that like a separate branch of the prosperity gospel? Because you didn't say anything about money there. You talked about if their faith is strong enough, if they name it and claim it, because that's talking about faith as the coin of the realm, so to speak. But so, is it is there is it a separate branch in your mind to say that the ones that ask for money are different? No, I mean it's all that's all prosperity gospel. It's but, all God being manipulated by us, right? Correct. I mean that's kind of what it comes down to is that you by your actions whether how much you believe or how much you what that you are somehow putting God in a box. It's man wanting to control God against how I've always seen it. Right. Yeah. And so the the people who are on TV who are saying give your seed of faith, you know, give us a $1000 and God right. will, you know, give you 20,000 or 100,000. 
those to me, I don't see those often enough, but I mean, they're on some television programs and some people watch them and some people believe wholeheartedly the message that they're preaching. But all of that is coming out of the prosperity gospel uh, that treats the Lord as though he's a cosmic vending machine to, you know, fulfill our every dream. And that's just not at all what the Bible teaches. Yeah. So let's, why don't we take the millennial pulse here in the room? Because you and I lived through this. We lived through, yeah. I lived through the Jim Baker, Trinity Broadcasting <laughs> Network era when, yeah. you know, if you were, if you told people you were a Christian, they assumed you were like a televangelist. Yeah. When I first like, went into ministry, I went to work for Coral Ridge Ministries. And my mm-hmm. dad would introduce me to people. My son works for a televangelist. Yeah. And it was like, oh, no, you got to clarify there. Yes. Well, <laughs> because in everybody's mind, to work for a televangelist was like, ew. Was he know. a televangelist? There, but there, there well, I mean, were, he was on TV, but and he, he wasn't was, asking for seeds of faith or anything like that. He wasn't, but he was still, there was a whole lot of, you should, you know, you want to contribute to the ministry. I, look, yeah, any, television is expensive and television cameras cost a lot of money and you need a lot of people to work there and whatnot. I understand that they have to have money in order to make all this go. I've never yet seen a television ministry. Now, radio is a little different because radio you can do more more cheaply. But television, if they've got a television ministry at some point, they're going to talk to you about, you know, we're become a ministry partner, support our ministry kind of thing. And I'm like, all right, so you're not necessarily promising anything in return, but it's kind of implied. It's like, you know, we're doing an important work. You need to support our yeah, important work. Well, that's, that's essential because they, you know, and if they're faithful, what they will say is you support your local church first. You know, that's essential. That's what you don't hear very often, though, I but think. But you, from the faithful ones, you do. Like, I listen to, like, Ravi Zacharias, you mm-hmm. know, for example. I love his apologetics. And he'll say, you know, after you've met your, you know, tithe, your faithful support of your local church, right. please consider supporting our ministry if you believe in us. And that's kind of more uh, where Dr. Kennedy would would appeal to you know he was very faithful to present you know the scriptures and where you know god doesn't exist to serve our purposes quite the contrary he was faithful with that message and he would say you know you have to support your local church first but if you believe in the work that we're doing please consider a generous donation i think that's okay so we grew up in that era we grew up in the era that if you were a great preacher you had a tv show you know that kind of thing yeah so let's find out from our millennial friends here either one of you guys what Prosperity gospel, how does that resonate with you now? We have a bunch of ideas. What do you think of when you hear prosperity gospel? I didn't really have any until my YouTube rant today. You know, I got real lost in YouTube. <laughs> Will, Will has been scarred by YouTube today. Yeah, because like you said, like I didn't, we, we kind of missed the boom, so televangelists weren't a real thing. So I actually had to do some research into what, when you guys talk of prosperity gospel, you have right. images come to mind, people come to mind, but I had absolutely almost nothing except for, can I, am I, are we saying yeah, names? Yeah, go for it. Names except for good. Joel. Joel Osteen, Joel you know, he's Osteen. the only one that our generation probably knows. I mean, I ran into Creflo today. That was fun. Creflo Dollar made a big impression on Junior. Will. He's a junior. He's a junior. Did Even you? though that's what, what we had this discussion, that's not his real name, and yet he's Creflo Dollar Junior. <laughs> so when he so, renamed himself, he made himself a junior. That's awesome. Which is pretty amazing. So he invented not only Creflo Dollar, but he invented Creflo Dollar's dad at yes. the same time. That's so awesome. my kid's going to automatically be a fourth, so that's he right. can just continue that's, the lineage. Will cool. Bushman is claiming he's Will Bushman the third. third. Yes. That's all he's got to do. You know? So what about you, Drew? What do you think of prosperity gospel? Same thing. I actually felt like I had to do a lot of research on the topic because I don't think of TV evangelists or I had to kind of look and get an idea of what it was. I actually initially just found myself thinking 
money and happiness. Like those are the words that just kept coming to my mind. Like prosperity gospel is an emphasis on being happy and having worldly treasures. Mm. And I, but I don't even really know, like it wasn't, I don't have one name in my mind or I don't feel like I have, I didn't have glaring examples, but I had this idea for whatever reason. I don't know if I'm just picking up on Mm -hmm. what I've heard other people reference too, but I actually, yeah, same as you. I watched a lot of YouTube videos (laughs) and just kind of tried to get an idea of what even people understand the prosperity gospel to be. So what's the significance of then? I mean, we're here talking about the prosperity gospel. If it's kind of a gen- if it is really a sort of a generational thing, like you missed the big boom, you missed Jim Baker. Does anybody, do you guys know who Jim Baker is? Either one of you? I do not. Okay. No. Uh, Jim Baker was a televangelist that uh, he was brought down by a moral failing. But at the time that he hit his zenith, and this is the thing that um, I really objected to, was he, he had these opulent trappings of wealth, made a big deal about the fact that he had gold-plated uh, fixtures in his bathroom. Ooh. The idea was that God was going to show his favor on you. Like right. God's, God, If you have the trappings of wealth, that right yeah. there means that God is somehow branding you as his man or his woman. He, it's his favor. So if you see a guy that's got a lot of money, you should listen to him because God is, whole, is blessing that man. Yeah. And so the the allure of Christianity then becomes you don't you don't come because God is worthy and He's right. holy and He's beautiful and He's absolutely entitled to everything you are. You come because He can serve your wildest dreams. He can make you wealthy, and you come because He's going to serve you. And the desperate ones, from my perspective, are the people that are obviously in need of healing, <clears throat> and they would come in to the faith healers like Benny Hinn. Um, and, and, and they're hoping for God to heal them. They're hoping for a miracle. I mean, they come desperately needing and wanting that miracle and what they would hear in some cases, I watched them. I've heard them say it myself is that if you plant your seed, you'll get your healing. That was the part that to me was despicable. It's despicable. It it really is. I became very very angry about it. I think one of the one of the best things, frankly, to happen was when uh, Benny Hinn's, I think it's his nephew, yeah, like, Costi. Costi, like broke with the family, and he's a pastor himself, but he tells the truth about the inside of that ministry and that whole operation and, and how they worked. And um, that, to me, th- this whole thing of people coming in because they want to be rich, like yeah. the pastor's rich, I'm like, fine, let them get what they paid for, which is going to be nothing. Um, but the people that come in and are told, you know, your son is sick, you're sick, your marriage is destroyed, plant your seed yeah. and God will give you your miracle. I'm like, that to me is awful. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, if we go back to the very beginning of scripture, you have a story that just illustrates so perfectly how this, that attitude of coming to God like that is mm-hmm. so wrong. And it's the story of Cain and Abel, Right. So you have two brothers that come. You have Cain, you have Abel, and both of them are coming with an offering to God. Abel comes because he, it says in Hebrews, he comes by faith with a love for God. He makes his offering because God is worthy of it. He's God. And Cain comes expecting a blessing. Mm -hmm. I deserve this. I'm giving you something. I've put my coin in the vending machine. Now you give me your regard and your favor. And God, it says that God looks at that and says, 
I have no regard for that. And Cain yeah. gets angry because he feels entitled. That, the prosperity gospel has the spirit of God, serve me. I've done my part. I have, I have faith, and now you owe it to me. And, and that whole attitude wrecks people because the reality is, is it is, that is the inverse of what the gospel teaches. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's not a perversion. It's the opposite. What the gospel says is that when you come to Jesus, things, things are not easy. Your, your life doesn't suddenly be, blossom and become beautiful and healthy and wealthy and wonderful. When Jesus is inviting people to come and follow him, he doesn't give that rosy introduction. He says, right. take up your cross and follow me. This is going to be difficult. You're going to have to deny yourself. Your money is no longer your own. You're going to be generous. You're going to help the poor. You're going to be a conduit, not a bucket. You're, you exist to bless others, not just to sit around and wait to be blessed. Right. How does anybody then get into that and think that that's okay? Giving them the benefit of the doubt to, to say that they believe what they preach. I'm going to give that benefit of the and doubt. We're, sorry, we're talking about the preachers of it, not yeah, the, the preachers not the, of the okay, prosperity the preachers gospel. Of it first. Okay. Giving them the benefit of the doubt, what they will do is they'll come to passages and they'll pluck passages out of context. So, for example, in John 10, when, when Jesus says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full or abundantly. Or in James when it says you have not because you ask not. Um, there's various passages that are not talking about material prosperity, that they apply as material prosperity. Um, and that's, that's where they, they get a, away from the truth of the Scriptures. So we, we talked about Creflo Dollar, who's yeah. one of the big names of the prosperity gospel. I want to read to you something he said in a sermon and just kind of kick this around a little bit. He said, when we pray, believing that we have already received what we are praying, God has no choice but to make our prayers come to pass. That, I think, let's take his definition of the prosperity gospel. It makes Jesus... An, a means to an end. Yeah. And that's the, that's the great tragedy of the prosperity gospel. As you look at the Savior of the world who has come in as a man, gone to the cross, atoned for our sins, raised from the dead, conquered all of sin and death and every, all these things that we hate in this life. Mm-hmm. And it treats the Lord as though he's a means to an end. Money, health, favor, reputation, a job – and what the Gospels call us to do is to recognize Jesus is not a means to an end. Mm-hmm. Jesus is our end. He is our treasure. He's our prize. He's the one that we look to and go, man, I want more of him. So it's not like I'm going to Jesus saying, I would really love it if you'd give me a great house, and I'm going to believe on you to grant that for me. No. The right way to approach it is, you ultimately are my treasure, and then you know, it's normal to ask and to pray and to want health and to say, Lord, I would love to be blessed and I need my, you know, my financial needs met and my business. I would love it to be blessed. And to ask those things. Mm-hmm. The prosperity gospel says if you don't get those things, it's because your faith is deficient. No, he doesn't need us yeah. to do anything. You know, that it's, kind of thing. He doesn't need us to do anything. You know, last night I was having a conversation with somebody who's really struggling with addiction. Right. Wonderful, wonderful person. And this conversation came up, 
And he's like, you know, he's, he said, you know, one of the things that I'm finding is I can't find peace so long as I'm still trying to control. Mm-hmm. So long as I'm trying to contribute strength to this equation, I can't find peace. And he's like, when I realize that my attempts to control are only making me more miserable and more likely to fail, and I can honestly let go and trust that God strengthened me, I feel a freedom and a peace that allows me to do things well. His strength is made perfect when we stop trying to add our own. Right. And we're resigned, and we just say, you know what, Lord, I trust you and your strength, and I resign. It's not about my will. It's not about my agenda. It's not about my strength. I'm going to let you own this. Right. There's peace in that. So the subtitle for this particular episode is prosperity gospel who's in charge here anyway (laughs) yeah Yeah, really so now we've been talking a lot about money but will you were talking earlier about uh before we put the mics on you were talking about um for your generation it might not be money yeah i think the prosperity gospel today is maybe more subtle but it's still there this whole idea of maybe my generation i'm saying this as a blanket statement not knowing everything you speak for everybody it's under yeah, 30 I don't do. you? yeah okay. i do yeah He's the, will is the oracle of people who are not yet 30 so it's not necessarily financial success but it's success and happiness or even using jesus as like a get out of hell free card i mean that was a lot how our my childhood was especially evangelistically uh-huh. like the question was always you know do you want to go to heaven to avoid hell you know even in that you know that is yeah. something jesus gives us is eternal life with him but even the way we offered that, or I was offered that as a young child, is, no, Jesus gets you out of hell. And that's it. That's that. That's all you have to answer. That's the only thing you want from him. There was no follow-up teaching after mm-hmm. that. This right. is why you would want to be with Jesus. Yeah, this is what he does. This is his whole mission. It's just to make sure you get out of you that bad yeah, But what I'm saying is, you uh, that is treating Jesus like he's a means yeah, to yeah, an end. Fully. But we never talk about, this is what it would be like to be with him. Yeah, forever. That's that's the beautiful. It's always thing. the negative. Getting away from the negative instead of going for the positive of mm-hmm. spending eternity with him. It's just oh, we're not away from him. I've always thought it was this idea that eternal life was the like a. They talked about it's eternal life that starts when it starts right now. Yeah the the life that that Jesus brings to us starts right now. It just continues past our mortal life, but. I think for a lot of people, they're thinking about, well, that's, you know, Jesus is my insurance policy. I'm going to go to heaven when I die because Jesus loves me yeah. and, and says that. And they treat it like it's two lives. It's mm-hmm. not what he's, you know, he's come to bring us life now. And, and so this life begins now and then continues on. That's what's, eter- that, that's what's eternal about it. It's not future life. It's life now and then it's, it's yeah. eternal. So It's interesting. There's a book that I read called Almost Christian by Kenda Dean. And it's primarily a focus on the faith of teenagers in America. Uh-huh. And that's growing. Um, but it's interesting because she talks about how w- the faith that we see in teenagers in America, they're learning from our churches oftentimes. And so she uses this term moralistic therapeutic deism and she says this she says it has little to do with god or a sense of divine mission in the world it offers comfort bolsters self-esteem helps solve problems and lubricates interpersonal relationships by encouraging people to do good feel good and keep god at arm's length Mm. and so it's this idea that like will said sometimes i wonder if we started this whole thing by saying the term prosperity gospel didn't resonate with Will and I, maybe in the same way that it did with you guys. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I wonder if this is our rendition of it, that to be 
prosperous and maybe the prosperity gospel masquerades itself these days or among the younger generations in this moralistic therapeutic deism where God is, as this book would call it, a cosmic therapist that just Mm -hmm. is there to serve you and help you feel better. And in that place, then you receive good things and you become good. Uh, But God kind of becomes this genie in the sky almost who you go to when you have wishes as opposed to, like you said, Sam, the treasure of your life. And so that resonates with me Uh as like, what I would think of for prosperity so, gospel. So as somebody sitting here behind a microphone who really does not like the prosperity gospel as, as we've defined it, there is a reality that in my own heart, I am a prosperity gospel follower. And mm. let me, let me, ex- in my mind, no. <laughs> in my heart, yes. And I'll explain what I mean. A couple of weeks ago, one of my real good friends who I love to pieces had an aneurysm, ended up in the hospital. We'd just gotten back from a trip to Israel together where we worshiped mm-hmm. together and went to the Garden of Gethsemane together. And, sure. And my immediate reaction is, why in the world would you do this to somebody who loves you? Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's just, I mean, wh- where does that come from? I mean, in my heart somewhere, there's something that says... If I follow you, I deserve, demand, I've earned good things from you. Hmm. And so should all of my friends who follow you. And the Lord doesn't work according to our wisdom. But inside all of us, we expect, you know, when we go through dry seasons, it's like, God, where are you? You, I'm, I'm, I owe, you owe me. I follow you. I do these things, and I, I should have a good life. You know, I shouldn't have these surprises. Hmm. Um, and the reality is, you know, I in watching this unfold, he's been in the hospital starting to go through therapy now, but I have watched numbers of men and families come together and pray. I've seen grown men cry. I've seen friendships that that are just so much richer now because we talk about how much we mean to each other. I see dads that are looking and saying, man, I need to treasure my wife and my kids a little more because at any moment it could be taken away from me. And I look at all these beautiful things that have come out of this ugly thing. And it's like every, you know, in those seasons, I have to step back and go, according to your will, this is good. Mm-hmm. But in that moment... I'm absolutely right with the prosperity preachers when I respond going, why do you do this? Yeah. Um, and there's something in us that feels like he owes us. Mm-hmm. And we, we have to wrestle with that and always come back to, to realizing, you know what? You are good. There's, there's a reason behind this. You're sovereign. I trust you. I don't like it. I may, not, I may never understand it, right. but you're good. I think that people are open to the idea that, um, okay, God might allow something bad like this to happen or maybe he causes it i mean we could get into that discussion sometime about does god cause things or does god allow things but that's not really important to this part of it which is but they still feel like god owes them an explanation that if you want my my friend to have an aneurysm and wind up in the hospital i need to see the good that comes out of that Mm -hmm. that that okay god if you want to stay square with me you owe me the explanation and of course that puts me right into the conversations that Job had with God. Yeah. Because that's really, you know, Job demanded that God show up and explain himself for everything that had been going on. And God's answer to Job, if you're not familiar with the story, is that God came to Job and all he did was tell Job to remind Job of who he was. Mm -hmm. That was the answer. And Job 
fell on his face and, and worshipped. It's like he, he recognized what was wrong about demanding the answers. Yeah. But that kind of thing sounds to me, if I, if I take my Christian hat off, if I'm saying, I don't know God, I don't trust God, I haven't, I haven't had years of time to walk with God and had this happen in my life, I feel like that's fatalism. That I'm saying, well, you just have to accept whatever God wants to do. And that's true, but we do it from a position of trust and love yeah. because of... You know his character. You know his character. So you can't take that out of the equation yeah. and expect it to make sense to people that don't have that context, yeah. I don't think. Comple- totally agree. Yeah, but I do think that that's part of... I, I, I think you're absolutely right. If there's a prosperity gospel that infests us all, it's this idea that God owes us but, something because of how we are, who we are. But you look at the story of Job, it's actually a perfect illustration. It just, just occurred to me. You know, here, here you have Job who's got tremendous wealth and health and power and fame, and God takes it all away. All of his industry, all of his animals, his sons, his daughters, his reputation, everything is gone in, in one swoop. And his three friends who come to to comfort him with air quotes, what do they do? They're they're prosperity preachers. They say, well, you must have done something bad. Your faith hasn't been strong enough. You haven't been as faithful to God as you should be. Because if you had been, then God would x dot dot dot. You know, he would he would bless you. You wouldn't have lost any of this stuff. And so Job, in remaining um, faithful to God, in a sense, even when he's calling out and demanding answers, you know, right. he has nowhere else to run. He he doesn't understand this because he believes God is good. God comes and confronts him, and eventually he's going to be restored. But when God comes, he rebukes the message of those three friends. Sure. Um, so God himself has rebuked these prosperity preachers. Now, the prosperity guys would tell you, yes, but he gave him back 200, you know, gave him t- t- is it 200% it says at the end? He got more. Yeah, so he has, he has the same number of, of kids. And then I think it says yeah, he about multiplies it was, it was multiplied everything else. Yeah. Something back. So, again, again, the prosperity gospel guy would say, yes, Sam, that's true. But at the very end, he God rewarded Job with even more material possessions and material wealth. Mm-hmm. We talked about him earlier in a different context, but I'm thinking about Dave Ingram, who's a, who was a pastor at our church, who passed away at age 61, mm-hmm. very, which now that I'm 59 does not seem very old at all. And from cancer, and yet this guy was the most beloved, vital, important. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was unbelievably valuable to our school and to our church and to me and to everybody else that knew him. Yeah. And and I can tell you that during that time, I'm a lot of, why him? Yeah, sure. Why him? God, that doesn't make any sense. Anyway, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, that's so something. Let that me we tell you about with. a conversation because I was I you came here, in as his here, boss. Yeah, you were during here at that, that time. time. Sure. I was I was coming in as headmaster, and he was our dean of students, and he was just an incredibly godly guy who loved the Lord and was such a big trust. He had yes. so much trust in the sovereignty of God and that he was good. He took me out of my office and brought me into what was at that time the art room. And to tell me that he was out of remission and his cancer had shown up again and it was aggressive. And so I asked him, you know, we we talked for a while and comforted him and he told me what he wanted to come out of this. And he says, I don't know where this is going to go. We're going to pray for healing, but it looks pretty aggressive. But my goal out of this is I want everyone to see that Jesus is more precious to me than health or life. Mm-hmm. I want them to see that I'm not afraid of death that this disease doesn't own me, 
that I am in the hands of a God that I trust and I love no matter what comes my way. Yeah. That's beautiful. beautiful. That is. Mm. That's precious. That's a treasure that no earthly circumstance can ever take away. Yeah. And that's so much better and more beautiful than the prosperity gospel. It's so much better than any material possession that you yeah. you have. Yeah. yeah. It's and better they, than health. <laughs> and and Dave and Barb Ingram walked that together. And I'm sure that they, they struggled and they questioned and sure. they got angry. There's no doubt. But man, they were they were faithful to walk yeah. that and yeah. to lift God up and to tell everybody when everyone else questioned why, why, why they would say, he is good. Yeah, hmm. Something that you were saying before about that book that you were reading and, and uh, that they're trying to understand what it is that people get from church. You know, mm-hmm. like, and, I, and I still think that, that they're missing the answer. The answer is not, what do we get from church? We, we get God. We have a relationship with God. That's it. That's enough. Mm-hmm. That's all. You know, mm-hmm. and if there's other things that come along with that, because God blesses us in certain ways, that's fine. But but what God offers us is Himself, yeah. and yeah. that's the message of the prosperity gospel preachers. You're trying to find something else, yeah. some other reason why you should believe and you should be a fan of God, because God's going to do all this stuff for you. And what we're saying is, no, God offers us Himself, yeah. and that's that's that's, that's the enough. guarantee. That's enough. Yeah. You know, and sometimes there's more, but this is enough that we yeah. would know him and have that relationship. And I think the reason that that book is so interesting to me is the author is trying to communicate how that isn't what the gospel is. Like mm-hmm. God isn't a genie. He isn't just right. a, a counselor in the sky, um, but he's so much more than that. He's your treasure. He's your life. And so I think what was humbling though, and even in this conversation or looking at this book and all of that, it it really does cause me to pause and have to be honest with God about, you know, in me, do I have any of these, these views of God? Do Mm. I, that I'm maybe numb to, or I'm just so used to them that I, they're white noise in my life. And I think that that book for me, what was interesting is when we talk about the youth, because to be honest, working with student ministry, I know Will can probably speak to this as well, but you do, you hear this, that God can sometimes um, become someone that students see as the fixer of their problems Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they can miss out on so much more of who God is to them, that he's everything to them, but they're learning that from somewhere, you know, Mm -hmm. that they're hearing that in some message. And I think this book, at least, especially as a, uh, as a youth pastor was helpful just to have to wrestle with, all right, God, let, let it begin with me. Like, where's my heart? Mm -hmm. Do I, am I miss, am I not seeing you correctly in my own life? And then, Help me communicate that well, not only to students, but just when I speak about you in my life, like I want to make sure that I am not knowingly or unknowingly uh, encouraging that type of mindset in the way that I communicate. It's interesting to me as we're sitting here talking about this because I started this today with the preconceived notion that we're going to be talking about the prosperity gospel like it's out there. Mm -hmm. We don't follow the prosperity gospel we're talking about it's the just the guys down the road it's the guys on television and yet the longer this conversation has gone on the longer i started to look around and say man the prosperity gospel is sitting around this table (laughs) yeah it is it's 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 in us all still today because of this these ideas that god owes us something or that god has to explain Mm -hmm. himself or that you know god shouldn't take the life of a good man or or whatever and wow this stuff is pervasive and it's Mm -hmm. got nothing to do necessarily with televangelists with no. sp- with spray hair and and give me your money. Yeah. 
Well, I think that's humble to recognize that that ability to pervert and distort the gospel is is within me. If, I, if I'm not dependent yeah. on the Holy Spirit and fixing my eyes on God, I will distort the word of God. I will misuse it. And so I think hopefully too, it also can give us compassion, you know, when we hear those things mm-hmm. or maybe, cause I've even heard people say things like name it and claim it. And, and I don't even know if they, they know that what, they're, what, that means. what they're implying yeah. by yeah. saying that, you know, but maybe it hopefully would produce even compassion in my own heart that when I when I perceive those things in other people, I just can dig into that with them and try to help understand where that's coming from. I've never been judgmental necessarily of the people that go to those churches and get caught up in that because a lot of them seem to me, when you talk to them, to be really just desperately wanting the fullness of life with God kind sure. of thing. Mm-hmm. So I really, I really do, though, fault the preachers who make the promises. I'm like, that to me, it just... And especially, as I said earlier, I still can't get past these guys that say, if you invest enough in our ministry, you'll get your healing. Yeah. That is, as we said, that is despicable. But I agree with you, Drew, that we need to have some sympathy for, you know, I look at maybe the people that attend a church like that, that hear that message and embrace it. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? Then I turn around, look in the mirror and go, what's wrong with me? You know, because I have that same thing just with a different outcome. Yeah. You know, just with a different outcome. So and we, that, yeah, and we need to be able to show them the correct view of God, you know, and God is enough. Yeah. He is enough by himself. So okay. I had a, a one of the most startling encounters I've had with prosperity gospel in my, my years of ministry so far. I had a, a lady come up to me and I had, had made reference to her mom and she got really quiet teary-eyed and walked away from me really quickly and i followed after her like what did did i say something i'm sorry and i found out that her mom had passed away months earlier and she had she'd never mentioned it to me okay and the reason that she had never mentioned it to me when i when i caught up with her in the the kitchen through tears the reason that she'd never mentioned it to me was that her mom passed away after walking through a disease that they had been praying for Mm. And she felt shamed that their faith was not strong enough to save her mom. And she was she wondered if God had forsaken them, if they were really anointed, if they were cl- as close as she thought, and she felt forsaken and abandoned and alienated from God because God didn't rescue her mom. Mm. That is a burden that the prosperity gospel puts on people. And when you think, you know, the fastest growing church on the planet right now, places are all in the Southern Hemisphere. They're in countries where there's poverty and disease and tremendous suffering. To put that burden that says, if God really loves you and your faith is really authentic, then you should be getting material blessing and health. Think about what, how that crushes these dear people as opposed to like Dave Ingram, his treasure is the Lord himself, mm-hmm. far greater than anything else. You're, you're taking away that treasure, that hope, that comfort from these people and saying it's all conditional on whether or not you see his blessing pour into your life. And it crushes them. Right. It's awful. It feels evil to me. And it manifests itself, like you said, in all of our lives, some to further degrees from others. But that's something that we need to work to correct. This is, this is the Lord's world. We are his creation. We're not the center of the universe. You know, his will, um, we, we need to, to bow to it and trust in it, knowing his character is good. Yeah. I've had the perspective recently of going through my own health 
problems and of a sort of serious nature that have that have turned out so far well you know <laughs> things have are moving in the right direction and everything but I had to in the you know in the process of that I went through a lot of medical tests and I'm in big machines and they're looking for things and there were some times where I'm thinking I'm going to die <laughs> you know mm. and I had to think about that you know you have to prepare in your mind that I'm going to die and I reacted to it in a very odd way I mean part of it was I didn't want to talk about the future I wouldn't I wouldn't talk about even plans for this Thanksgiving or or Christmas of this year with my wife she's like trying to talk about who's going to be where and I'm like I'm not talking about these now I'm very short-tempered about that because I was like, I was so focused on today. I'm having a test today. They're putting me in a machine today and we're going to learn things today. Um, that sort of thing. And, and so that was kind of interesting. I don't know. I mean, it, it shows some moral failing somewhere because I was mean to my <laughs> wife who certainly doesn't deserve that. Um, but then also when I'm in the machines and I'm having these different things done, um, I'm realizing that I'm having to recognize that the outcome of this cannot define my relationship with God because if that's what it is, then I'm in it just for what's, what's in it for me, you know, and that's not true. That's not faith. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, if, if you're, if you're coming to God, like Will was talking about earlier, they was like, Hey, why do you have a relationship with Jesus to avoid hell? That's it. You want to go to the good place instead of the bad place. If your relationship with God is transactional, and not relational, mm -hmm. that's where you say, this is not faith. Mm. It's not faith. It's something we've bought. We're buying something from God. And, and I had to realize that, you know what? If, if this is what God's plan is for me, I learned it from, um, you know, in a way I learned it from my uncle who was a Presbyterian elder in Gainesville. Not that that matters, but I'm saying he was <laughs> a church-going guy, a religious guy. And Tracy and I, my wife and I, went up to see my aunt and uncle to encourage them because he had cancer, diabetes, all these things going on, and it was just clear that my uncle wasn't going to be with us much longer. And we went up to encourage them. We were going to go as the Christian couple and encourage my aunt and uncle. And we get up there, and my uncle is pretty much in a wheelchair. He's wasting away. He's, the radiation that he's had has burned his esophagus to the point that in order to eat lunch with us that day, he had a cup of liquid lidocaine, and he would take a bite from his sandwich and a sip from I'm going to get choked up. Wow. A sip from the lidocaine. Bite from the sandwich, sip from the lidocaine. And yet that whole weekend, his attitude was astonishing. He wasn't somebody who needed encouragement. He wasn't somebody who needed us to lift him up. We were lifted up by him. And he talked to us about how this, and, and my aunt was right there with him, that, that this was the path that God had given me to walk. And his, his statement to me was, I'm going to walk it the best that I can. Hmm. And all the way home, all the way home in the car, we kept saying, and we thought we were going to encourage him. Hmm. <laughs> it's just, and I mean, but that, that was my uncle's faith. Yeah. This is what God had given him. God had given him this really hard and kind of awful thing to, to go through. And his responsibility now was to go through it the best way that he could. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, it changes the way that you experience God or it changes the way that you experience life when God is truly your treasure because that can never be taken away from you regardless of circumstance, regardless of health, regardless of financial downturns. Like he is your treasure. He's always there. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He is your treasure. And as a pastor, 
You know, there have been many seasons where I have wondered, like, has God's blessing left me? Uh, I don't feel the same. I don't feel like I'm having an impact. I don't feel like he's moving. Right. And one of the things that has always comforted me is probably the, the most effective evangelist in the history of the world is the Apostle Paul. Mm-hmm. You, you would agree with that. I would. <laughs> um, but he went from city to city to city, being thrown out, chased out, beaten, stoned, you know, shipwrecked everywhere he went. It was just like he was facing trouble everywhere. And when he gets to the last moments of his life, he says, I'm already, these are the last words that we have penned by Paul. He says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Hence, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And then he goes on, and he's talking about his ministry, and he says, At my first defense, no one came to stand by me. All deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I hear that, and I think, here's the most effective evangelist in the history of the church, and when he's writing his last words, he's saying, everybody's left me. Hmm. I'm 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 alone, but God has never left me, and He couldn't see what God was going to do with His life. But on you know two thousand years later, we see what God sure. has done with His life. You know, He writes more books of the Bible than any other person. Like stunning, and yet He couldn't see what was going on, but He was okay because His treasure was God, yeah. and that was enough. Yeah, one of the things that I want to clarify is we are people of prayer. We believe that God moves and acts and heals. We and do. He does bless, and he blesses so that we can be a blessing. I mean, the Bible makes it very clear that he does that. And in fact, you know, one of the one of the things that I've talked about is that if you're living your life in accordance with God's word, it's not a guarantee that life's going to go well for you. But there are plenty of studies that show that there are health benefits of going to church, and there's health benefits of prayer, and the statistics bear out that you're more likely to live longer, and you're more likely to have lower anxiety. And so there's something in putting yourself in line with the design of the designer Mm -hmm. that's going to bear fruit in your life in all likelihood. Right. But it's not a guarantee, and that's where the difference comes is – you know, I believe that if you're living your life as a Christian and you're faithful to God and how you live, I do think that there's consequences that usually will bless you. But it's not a guarantee. God is not beholden to protect you from every calamity. There's that uh, passage in um, Hebrews 6, which engenders a lot of debate about the falling away and what that means. And that's a topic for another podcast. But it you know, in this, he's talking about people who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift shared in the Holy Spirit, tasted the goodness of the word of God, the powers of the age to come. This idea being that there's a benefit, as you say, from living according to the book, even if ultimately you don't have that faith, just following those principles will have some kind of benefit for you. Sure. Um, I'm wondering, what would you guys say is a good place for people to start who are listening to this when they begin to ask the question, what am I listening to? What am I reading? And is this what God would have me to believe? Or is this prosperity gospel? Are there things people should look for? 
what would you say? Yeah, I think since Sam and Mark talked about um, kind of looking at prosperity gospel in ourselves, John Piper has a great list of when you're thinking about the teachers you listen to or who, who you get your content from. He has a great list of six things you should watch out for when you're taking in content. Cool. He says the first one is there's no doctrine of suffering in any of their teachings. They just never bring up suffering yep. at all. Uh, the second one is there's no clear call to de- deny yourself. That's all about you, that there's never sac- you know putting anything behind you. And the last is they never seriously exposit the scriptures, so they never actually look at text. They kind of just proof text and look at single ones. Um, the fourth one is they never wrestle with the tensions of the Bible, you know, those things that seem really difficult to fit together, those things that go on in your life that seem hard. Um, the fifth one is that they live exorbitant lifestyles of their own, not just that they're rich, but, you know, that they kind of flaunt it. And the last one is there's too much self. You know, God gets marginalized and we ourselves get lifted up you know even yeah. t- he talks about time in their sermon how much time do they spend talking about god and about us you know so it's just i thought that was a really good list yeah that is yeah that's good that is excellent go piper <laughs> yeah he hates the prosperity gospel if you yeah, want to hear yeah. a guy jacked up yeah. just type in john piper prosperity gospel and you'll get some cool youtube <laughs> videos <laughs> yeah well i will tell you something though if you really want to listen to a great sermon by him look up the sermon don't waste your suffering yeah that is an awesome, yeah, it is. awesome sermon because it just tells you that it is not meaningless. Mm. You know, when you look at it as meaningless, this you know, and that's that's the subject for another podcast. See, there's all these tangentials that could be. Yeah, you've planned podcast. out like three months of podcast. Three months of podcasts in this conversation alone. But. So what we're going to say here to kind of wrap this thought up is that the most prosperous you can be is to have a relationship with the Lord, to have God. That's, that's, that's the, that is the ultimate prosperity. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed your time with us today and that uh, you found it to be a profitable discussion, a prosperous <laughs> discussion, <laughs> that our discussion has been prosperous for you. Uh, we'd like to invite you to send us an email if you're interested, uh, you want to talk more about this, if you've got questions or maybe a, a suggestion of help us plan the podcast, tell us what you want to hear us talk about. You can send email to out of water. Uh, at riovistachurch.com. That's spelled just like you would think, out of water, at riovistachurch.com. You can also find more about our podcast as well as all the back episodes by going to our website at riovistachurch.com slash out of water. We'll see you next week. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and you will both subscribe to the podcast and listen regularly. You can find out more about Out of Water, catch up on past episodes, and access show notes at our website, riovistachurch.com slash out of water.